Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the message. Thanks for joining us today, whether you are checking this out live. I want to say hey to anybody that is joining us live. Don't forget, you can ask your questions in any of our four different platforms, whether that's our website, on Twitch, on YouTube, or on Facebook, or you can email us as well. For those of you that are catching us after the live recording, thanks so much for joining us. I know that there's a bunch of you that catch it afterwards as well. So thanks for being here. We really do hope this time encourages you and maybe challenges you in your faith. So as always- And helps you question like never yeah. before. As always, I'm Ben, that's Josh. Josh was communicating this past week, so we are gonna be jumping into a deeper dive in just a second. I am gonna play with my computer because I don't want noise to show up when it shouldn't. But uh, before we jump into kind of the discussion into, uh, we do have a couple questions this week as well. Um, we do wanna let you know something that's happening this Wednesday. So on September 1st at 6.30 p.m., we are having kind of a special worship and prayer night. Specifically, it's for, as we kind of go back into school, it's a brand new school year. Most schools have started or are about to start just after Labor Day. We really wanna take some time to, to lift up our students, our teachers, our parents. It's another complicated year with COVID and everything that's happening in and around us. So we wanna lift that up in prayer. But just in general, even if you want to come out and just use this as a time of general prayer, maybe you're past the age where you don't have children going to school, maybe you don't have grandchildren, or maybe you're just not interested in praying for that, you can come out and be a part of it. That is our focus, kind of the school year. But if you just wanna pray for what's happening in our world, we would encourage you to come out. Yeah. Should be about an hour long, so probably from 6.30 to 7.30. There is some structured like songs and things that are be happening, but also a little bit of unstructured time as well. Just so the whole the thing will be the exact same amount of time my sermon was this past week. <laughs> yeah, so. so it should be about an hour. I won't be, I won't be teaching yeah. on that one. Josh won't be talking, yeah. so we should stick to an hour as well. Um, but yeah, with that, we are, this is episode 97, but on Sunday, that was week 13 of the Better series. The Gospel of Luke, man, what number are we at in the Gospel plus. of Luke? 60 okay. plus. I, I need to go back we're, and look. We're, we're pretty far into it. So do you want to give us kind of a recap of what we talked about on Sunday? Yeah, so we talked about a bunch of stuff. Uh, hit you with the hard news that um, yeah. my family will be moving to Florida in, in a month or so. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the sermon. So that yeah. probably caught you by surprise there. Sorry about that. Uh and you want to know more about that, go listen to the sermon, go to the news page on clcfamily.church or check your email. There's been a letter go out. Uh, but um, it was really timely in that since we were in the series on better, meaning take the making that right step or choice each week. Um, this week was on uh, kind of the the options. and when, when you hear the options, it's like, well, of course I'll do that one. It's either to be foolish or fruitful, yeah. right? Just foolish or fruitful. And uh, we looked at a parable that Jesus taught and really excited in a couple weeks to start a new series on parables that Jesus is going to teach a lot of stories on. But this is kind of one of the short ones right at the beginning and I've, 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 right in the you know, beginning of Luke chapter 13. And in this one, he tells a parable of a, um, a barren fruit tree, right? And so like this tree that does not bear fruit and there's this vineyard overlooks it and goes hey uh, owner of a vineyard overlooks it sees this tree that doesn't bear fruit and goes we got to cut it down because it's unfruitful yeah. well there's no reason to keep a tree growing that does not produce fruit so the 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 vine dresser goes no 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 give me another year and i'm going to dig around it place some manure on it and it's going to become fruitful and so we looked at how do we actually become fruitful and could this be a year i think it is a year of god really digging up around our church, right? Placing some stinky, you know, situations around us and then through that growing some really beautiful fruit for the purpose of other people to enjoy, right? And that's the purpose of fruit. And so we've talked about fruitfulness before, but this time it felt really appropriate to go, let's actually talk about how we get to a place of fruitfulness, right? Because you got John 15 where Jesus says that his father is the vine, that he's the vine dresser and, um, I'm sorry, he's the vine he's the vine dresser and the, the way that you produce fruit is to abide or remain in the vine, abide and remain with Jesus, right? And so in that sense, it's a very passive approach to fruitfulness comes from abiding, remaining. Even when you look in Galatians where Paul tells us about the fruit of the Spirit, that's fruit of the Spirit, fruit from the Spirit, not something we can actually produce on our own. So in both of those senses, both sense, both of those categories, it's a passive response to fruitfulness. It actually happens by remaining, abiding, remaining, abiding, receiving the Holy Spirit. And so many of you are going, well, I actually don't 
how do I actually help produce fruit? God's great gift uh, this week woke me up. Actually, didn't let me sleep. So I found this passage in Second mm-hmm. Peter chapter 1 where Peter actually explains where fruitfulness and effectiveness yeah. comes from. So this week we looked at some very specific steps to actually get to participate in fruit uh, bearing. And the first one is faith supplemented with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, and then finally agape love, unconditional godly love. And so it starts, starts, starts with supplementing your faith. So we looked through that passage. I have no doubt we'll do it again today as well. Yeah, so I do want to work through this, and uh, that is kind of the main heart behind um, over time is that yeah. we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the message. So I don't want to just kind of skim over this, but also I just want to kind of let you know that that's not really the purpose is to talk through really Josh's departure. But, but it's in front of us. Yeah, yeah, it's in front of us. So I want to bring that up. I do want to say that you had mentioned on Sunday and the offer still kind of goes out. If you have any questions, you want to sit down and talk to him. He's here for another yeah. several weeks. So if you are interested in doing that, please let us know. But yeah, I, I guess take it. Yeah. So, you, you know, one of the interesting things you hear about someone's resignation which is what I did. I wrote a letter of resignation uh, to our elders on Tuesday, uh, then shared it with you all on Sunday. And then uh, yesterday, about four, you would receive kind of a longer letter of resignation. And so usually when you hear about that, you go, well, there's got to be something behind the scenes, right? right? It's just our human nature and we got to figure out what those things are. And so that's why I just offer, hey, I'd be happy to sit with you because it's not those things at all. I love this church. It's been the most fruitful ministry I've gotten to experience in my entire life. This last year has been glorious. And uh, yet we feel like God has been very clear to us of what to do. In fact, he was clear to us uh, about six, seven weeks ago, and we said no. Mm-hmm. I came back home and even refinanced my house, mm-hmm. right? No, 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 this is it. And <laughs> uh, lots of fees spent there. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, no, it was about two months ago. Then about five weeks ago, four weeks ago, really did feel like the Lord was telling me I was being disobedient. And that's not a place you want to live. Yeah. I right? don't want my kids to live it. I think the most dangerous place you could possibly live is in disobedience to God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's the reason we feel like God's been uh, clear and it's an obedient call. But the neat thing is not only am I doing an obedience, is there some grace involved in it? Like if you know me at all, I start things, right? Ready, shoot, aim. I just like to start things and uh, get going on things. I'm not much for the sustaining piece of it. And our church is really healthy and whole and has great, great, great leaders. Just met with them all and staff. I mean, they're just great and very, you know, competent. We have godly elders. And so it's just our church runs really, really well and God is doing really great things. But I can kind of mess those things up in my desire to plant and start and, you know, you know, chase into hell with a water gun, just kind of my personality. And I don't think it's just my personality. I think it's actually my calling. And so um, if you don't know much about experience in ministry, I've just been a part of starting a lot of things from ministries. Like even all the way back to high school, I started a student ministry in our high school, right? Like just part of my nature uh, through my late 20s and early 30s, I was a church planner, started a couple of churches, helped plant additional churches. So that's just where where I thrived. And um but, you know, continue to progress. I guess when you get older, that's what you do. And here I am, senior pastor, you know, a pretty large ship. And um, I'm just not really built for that. I'm built for starting and planting and think that's what I'm supposed to do the rest of my life is help set people's focus on the mission and, you know, kind of rally the troops together to get going on it and then, you know, kind of build something that way. And so um started thinking and praying through, okay, God, I, I think I get in the sense that God was calling me back into kind of the front lines of those ministries, like mm-hmm. right on the front lines. And so, um, and on top of that, I'm wanting to be close to my parents who are aging. They're in their mid-70s now, and they might be watching. Dad, you are old. And um, <laughs> they're in Heaven's waiting room, so I want to get down there with them. And you know, That's Florida. Yeah, 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 Heaven's waiting If you don't know where that is, I only know because so, um So anyway, so basically God has been clear to us. It really does fit kind of my wiring to, you know, yeah. go after the loss serve a community, reach families. And so it's a church, a smaller church that's actually looking for that kind of pivot yeah. right now. And so really to think I can offer my gifts well in that. So it's more of like being a sent. That's actually what the word apostle means. I really feel like being sent from this church down there. Yeah. So there's that. And then God's grace is I get to be two hours from my parents, mm-hmm. two hours from my brother, seven from my in-laws. Mm-hmm. That I don't say that like it's not like, oh, I still seven from my in-laws. It's about 12 from them now. So a little bit closer of a day's yeah, journey right, there. Right. And so 
that's kind of where the decision came from. I'll be going to a church called First Presbyterian Church of Barto, Florida. I'm so embarrassed because when I address them, I don't know if I told you this, because I'm not used to using the word Presbyterian. We're a Presbyterian yeah. church, but it's a Christian Life Center. Right. What I grew up using was the word Baptist. So I was speaking to them, and I called their church First Baptist, Baptist Church of Barto, Florida. So did you, did you get any comments about? I got a few. Got a few. Like aha, you know. And I got a. You know, I went to a Baptist seminary. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Grew up in a Baptist. Anyway, so anyway, so that's where I'll be heading. A small, neat little uh, community church with one high school in the town yeah. that really does fit back where gifting lies for me and my family, or my family and I. And so that's yeah. where we're going. Super, super sad. Um, got to stay kind of numb to it because if I think about it too much, I just get really, really emotional. Really, yeah. really sad. This is a really great season. We yeah. are bummed right now that this God is telling us to go, and yet we're excited because the, the scariest and most secure place to be is right, right. in the middle of where God, God's calling for you. So that's right. that's where the decision led. There's lots of questions you probably have, okay, like how long are you here? Sure. Um, October 1st probably. I'm, yeah. I'm down in Florida. I've got all sorts of things. you got to get ready for the – fall and winter down there, which there's not a winter, praise God. And our kids got to get in school. So he's got some different things that we're sorting through. So that seemed to be an appropriate time. And then the next question is, okay, well, who's going to do your job? And so uh, I don't, all I really, I mean, I do more than this. And so I don't, I'm a little facetious, but all I do is just create chaos around me, I think anyway, uh, you know, and so we have a really great team. Uh, we, we, we're a, a team-led ministry. We have a team that makes the decisions for our church, leads it. The thing that you'll probably, you'll experience that's different in the future than what you're experiencing now is just I'll be um, not communicating from stage. Just about everything else. Uh, there are great leaders and a great team leading through all that stuff. And so the good news is, is you'll probably get to get out of church 10, 15 minutes <laughs> earlier, and you'll get to hear other voices. Maybe. If yeah. I'm preaching, I can't promise that. So that's the neat thing is that we do have really great gifted communicators. Mm -hmm. I've just monopolized all the stage time. And the reason I monopolized all the stage time is I don't know what else to offer this church that our team isn't already doing. So I, I understand there's going to be some grief, and there's probably some gaps that will need to be filled. But for the most part, I'd, I anticipate over the next couple weeks, months, you won't notice much different. And as soon, uh, But we haven't put together a plan. Uh, you can pray for your yeah. staff and your elders as they are kind of sorting through that this week and next week. And as uh, we kind of get some clarity around what we'll do interimly and then, you know, maybe a little further down the road, you can rest assured we'll, we'll communicate with you as soon as, as we can on those things. But yeah. it's just that we don't have a plan yet. And, but you're not out of the loop. There's just no loop. But you'll be in the loop as soon right. as there right. is a loop. Yeah. And definitely, I don't want to make light of that, but I also want to kind of frame it in the sense of going, man, while relationally we're saddened by this, we're also excited for what God is going to do in Florida. We're excited for what God is going to continue to do here. We believe that this is his church and that he's not done with it. Absolutely. So there is so much more still to be done. There's more work in our community. There's more work for the sake of the gospel. So we're excited for that. And yeah. while relationally, yeah. it stinks because Josh is a friend. We become close to his yeah. family that it's disappointing to see them go we'll also be able to spend eternity together that's right so, so we got work to do and i am i am convinced that the, the most fruitful days that's why i like preaching on this are right ahead of us in this church and i explained like there is a land that god is calling yeah. us to right now i think he's saying consecrate yourself as he told joshua for tomorrow the lord's going to do amazing things yeah. this is a season of consecration and being set apart because i think i think the lord has a beautiful promised land but like moses didn't get to enter i just don't think i get to yeah. and actually i know that i don't get to here and he's got something else for us down in florida but I am excited to, yeah. I mean, not watch it from too far. I'll keep up and connect and all those kind of things. But I'm excited to see what God has in store yeah. here. Elkade has said that he's older than my dad. He that is true. That. He's three years older than my father. So, so is he? Three? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so with that, Maybe I feel forward, like we, we kind of want to, I'm going to intentionally kind of move us on, kind of look mm -hmm. at scripture, kind of talk through what we talked about this week. But it, just a reminder, if you do have questions, again, I'm not trying to kind of sidestep any feelings yeah, yeah. that you have in that, but I would encourage you to reach out to Josh. If you want to touch base with him, he's happy to do that. So Josh at clcfamily.church yep. or just call the church number, 610-869-2140, and we can get that set up for Texas, any yeah. of those things. And so love to, love to have a conversation and chat with you. Love this place. Love you all. 
and I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah, so as we jump kind of into the text, and um, this week it was only, what, three verses, I think, in, <laughs> yeah. in Luke? Mm -hmm. um, Four, we got six through okay, nine. Okay, six so, through mm -hmm. nine, so we, we'll cover that, and then we'll spend yeah. a good amount of time, I think, in Second Peter. Mm -hmm. um, and as always, we encourage you that if you haven't already listened to the Sunday morning message, to start with that one, this is always kind of a, hopefully a deeper dive into it, so anything that was left out or maybe a further explanation or conversation, that's what we cover here. So always check out our media page where you can listen or watch that uh, that first message. So we've been going through the book of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 13, um, and then Jesus starts to tell these parables, right? Like, and We're going to see a lot of them coming up yeah, then, yeah, right. in a couple weeks. And but. so here's this parable of the barren fig tree, which... Really, when you read it, it kind of leaves you kind of questioning more. I feel like it was a great yeah. explanation on Sunday. Um, but it, you kind of look at it when you're just reading through the Bible and go, well, that was weird. And then you could move on yeah. without seeing the significance of it. So I think that I uh, want to just kind of take this verse by verse, or maybe it'll be more than verse by verse, uh, and just, just kind of talk through it. Um, and again, the choice that we get to make this week was either choose fruitfulness uh, or let me get to, to be right. fruitful and be foolish. Yeah, yeah. to be foolish. But you can say foolish, don't you? Yeah, so fruitfulness or foolishness. And so. Um, and you go, yep, definitely want to be fruitful. Yeah. How do I do that? Well, yeah. this is really neat. We're going to tell you how to again today. And then we're going to explain to you why this is so important to do that and wrestle through with it. You or is it God? Really, yeah. really neat stuff to be able to discuss today. So stay tuned. So 13 verse 6 says this, and he told. Uh, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years I've come to seek fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be used up? Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if you, uh, but uh, but if not, you can cut it down. So there it is. Just kind That's of little verses of going, here's this exchange between mm -hmm. the master or the owner of the land and the vine dresser about a tree that won't produce fruit. And it's going, hey, cut it down. And he goes, no, no, no. Give me one more year. I'll do this and this. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. That's it. So you got this parable, and usually you try to figure out who represents God, who represents yeah. us, who represents all this stuff. And this one gets a little bit confusing because we can say yeah. uh, that the owner is God, right? It's all his resources. And you go, are we the vine dresser? Are we the vine? Or, I mean, sorry, are we the vine dresser? Are we the fig tree? And so it's like, that's why you just got to lean in and listen because I think the Lord wants to show us something in that, particularly in how to be fruitful, yeah. right? So some things we got to understand is there's work to be done to be fruitful, and some of the work is uh, painful. got to dig yeah. around it, and a lot of the work is stinky. got to yeah. put manure on it, right? So that growth comes from this. So there, I mean, had some real practical application to this. Hey, I'm being dug out of here. Yeah. Right? And it's going to be a little sad at times. And that there's going to be goodbyes that just stink, right? Yeah. And yet we can go, but somehow in this pruning, this digging, this, you know, fertilizing, fruit is going to come from it. So that's one thing to kind of make sure we understand here. The second yeah. thing that I didn't get to talk about this Sunday is it literally said in verse 7, why should it use up the ground? Right. This is at the crux of what this church has been over yeah. the last four years and what it will continue to be. It's the crux of everything for ministry and me is that it's all about stewardship. Yeah. So we see in this picture the owner goes, we only have so much land, right? And you go, well, it might be a lot, but he's saying, why in the world would I play something that's poor stewardship yeah. of that dirt, of that resources, and why would I not take that out and place something in that's right. better stewardship, right? So this is the practical application here as he's going, if, there, if that's not... If, if that's not going to produce, then it, it, it's wasted to place it there, right? Yeah. So what we've been doing here for the last several years is going, where is our ground not producing anything? Yeah. Okay, well, we, use our, we don't use our building for the most part five, six days a week. Well, but if God's given us this, we don't want to take it away from us, then it makes sense that we'd figure out a way to be fruitful with it. Yeah. So he's, this owner is going to the vine dresser and, and saying, that's not fruit, it's poor stewardship to be there. Yeah. Now, the vine dresser gets to have an exchange. Again, this is really important that you don't get all your theology from parables, yeah. right? Because there's the rich man and Lazarus, and you're going, does that mean 
people in hell can see people in heaven. And it's like, I don't know the answer to that. But again, it's, it's trying to present an understanding and bring us into the story of uh, this one of fruitfulness. And so there gets to be an exchange. And this vine dresser is now negotiating yeah. with, uh, uh, with the owner. This is the interesting thing about it, even in terms of prayer, because the word prayer literally means to exchange wishes. Yeah. So there is this interchange, and the owner goes, Get rid of it. Yep, here's my wish. Cut yeah. it down. And the other one goes, let me share with you my heart. I think we can make this fruitful. Mm. It's just going to take some work and some stinkiness, <laughs> right? It's going to smell and it's going to be hard work, but it could produce some fruit. And yeah. then he goes, if it's not here in a year, okay. Yeah. Right? And so there's kind of this interesting negotiating. Again, this isn't telling you exactly how you should always talk to God. It's just a picture that's there. And so these guys are hearing it and they're going, okay, tree doesn't produce fruit. But you're telling us that it's possible to produce fruit and that God, this is really important here, that if God represents the owner, he is gracious. Yeah. That he is being merciful and gracious to extend it for another year yeah. and allow that piece of fruit to, or that fruit tree to, to produce. And so this is what's really beautiful about this, no matter what you've done the last year. So we can talk about this corporately, which is, I think, where more the slant is for me as a preacher. Yeah, right. Let's talk about it corporately. But individually, if your life this past year hasn't produced fruit, Maybe because you've stayed at home all the time or you've just been so consumed with the complications of this world that you've just kind of shut down. You're going, is God mad at me? Is he upset with me? Is he going to destroy me? And it's like, that's not how the gospel works. But what I do want you to hear is God is literally looking at you and going, hey, there's a year to, to get back into this thing. And so if you're just now coming back to church or just now coming to this church period or just now starting to listen or kind of consider God, I kind of don't want to say, hey, here's the, that's the starting point. The clock's ticking, but in some ways, I do want you to feel a little pressure going, God actually intends for us to be fruitful. Yeah, yeah. He has given us resources that we're supposed to steward, and the, the purpose of those resources all the time is to produce fruit. And what you got to understand about fruit is not for yourself. The fruit doesn't help the tree continue to thrive, right? Yeah. In some ways, that stuff has to be cut down or it will get too heavy. Like I have a peach tree, but if you don't, if you don't, cut it back like two-thirds of it every year or whatever, it it will literally kill the tree. So the fruit isn't ever for the tree itself. It's for those who encounter the tree, right? And so we got to go, God wants you to be fruitful, and your fruit is going to serve and care for other people. Mm -hmm. That is how you're wired. You will not find fulfillment or joy Mm -hmm. unless you start operating in the design that God had for you. So I promise you, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling like... Life's just not amounting to what you thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Then I would tell you it has everything to do with whether or not you are being used and participating in life the way that God designed mm-hmm. you to participate, and that is to grow and produce fruit. So I think you should do it. I think there should be a year that this, our church does that in yeah. fruitfulness, and that should kind of allow you to or challenge you to perk up and go, oh, okay, how do I do that? Yeah. Brand new Christian, what do I do? If I've been this 50 years, 75 years, I'm not seeing fruit. What do I do? Yeah. And that's how we get to Second Peter, where Peter's writing to a church and going, I am not going to be able to hold your hand anymore. Yeah, yeah. Literally, that's what he's doing. I cannot hold your hand anymore. And he's pretty, you know, curt with them. I'm not going to be able to hold your hand anymore. God is good. He's going to underwrite this. He's going to finance it. He's going to mm-hmm. resource it. But I can't hold your hand. And you got to produce fruit. And here's how you produce fruit. Yeah. I do want to jump to that yeah. passage, just not yeah. quite yet. Okay, gotcha. So uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about is that as we've been going through this, um, and I'm not sure if we've turned a corner here or not, but Jesus has been talking to a, a bunch of different people, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the, the teachers, there's the religious Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes. There's kind of the religious group. There's just kind of the general crowd that mm-hmm. maybe is following him. And then there's the disciples in this. How much of this is also... Jesus kind of, because one of the things that we've talked about through the series is that the kingdom of heaven isn't just something that will be established in the future. It's for now, right? Like both when Jesus spoke these words, but then also for us today, it's for now. And the Jews would have been looking for a Messiah, but they were thinking that he was going to show up in power and might and overthrow the government right then. So Jesus is giving all of these teachings, um, I'm pretty sure that this is in the same kind of journey or um, his road trip, if you will, as he's kind of working through all of that. How much of this is also Jesus kind of calling them to right now, they are, they get the choice to either be fruitful, like Jesus is giving grace, mm-hmm. or in time, there will be a judgment. Is that as we're reading into Yeah, so and go back to Pastor Gary's message last week. Yeah. You're teaching this upcoming week. Yeah. This is kind of a sandwich of these harsh, yeah, right. blunt statements. And so 
yes, he is saying to those people, your life is not fruitful. Yeah. Your life is not fruitful. Or, for all of us, your life is not as fruitful as Jesus intends hmm. for it to be. Hmm. So, we all get to make a decision. And the decision is, do we want to live in the kingdom and participate in fruitfulness? And the answer should be yes. But then we get really confused and go, wait, I thought God does the work. Do I do the work? Wait, am I having to earn my salvation? What do I do here? And I promise, well, I'll, I'll give you some helpful understanding I didn't get to get to on Sunday because I didn't open up the scriptures till 19 minutes left in my 45-minute talk that became a 58-minute talk. So we'll get there. But yes, this is very direct, and it really yeah. is binary. Fruitfulness or unfruitfulness. That's it. Either you want to be a fool or do you want to be fruitful? You can't do them simultaneously. And for all of us, it is a call to a deeper level of producing fruit for yeah. the sake of the kingdom. So let's do that, right? You do that. I can't hold your hand. We can't all hold everybody's hands. But there are some things specifically you can do to begin producing fruit in yeah. this year. And I think fruit will come a lot quicker than you think. Uh, and so then jumping over to Second uh, Peter uh, 1 through 15, and yeah. this kind of gives a play-by-play, -play, right? Like, so I think I'll eventually get to, maybe the, after kind of the introduction, yeah. we'll get to verse by verse and maybe explain yeah. it from there. So um, this is written by Simon Peter, and this is what it says. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained the faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So basically to all the believers that have got, came to the same realization that we have. Uh, two says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of uh, God and of Jesus our Lord. And then three is where it kind of gets into this very yeah. specific, how do we become mm -hmm. fruitful, yep. right? So uh, the heading says, confirm your calling and election. Yep. Verse three says okay, this. So I think Go about ahead. that word confirm. That's going to be really important in this. Yeah. So one thing that I just want to point out before we get any further is, it actually says Simeon Peter, but I feel so weird saying Simeon because like nobody's don't know who Simeon is, but just the way it's listed. But what I love about how Peter decides to describe himself as who he was and who he is, yeah. right? And so it does kind of even, yeah. his language here kind of implies and helps us under see kind of our whole story, who we were and now who God's making us to be. So yeah. Simon has this life that he's lived, in many ways unfruitful, and now this fruitfulness as being Petra, Peter, right. the one right. who's there. So, so I, literally, this is written to the church. And he's it's basically what you got to hear does is a farewell speech to uh, challenging Jesus' followers to continue growing in their faith. So this is to yeah. the church. This isn't to the world. This is to the church. Farewell speech, challenge them to grow in their faith, their love, and their service to God, and be ready for Jesus' return. Yeah. So it's a pretty, it's a, it's a beautiful passage, and it just seems so appropriate for, and while I'll get to preach to you again in the next couple of weeks, we'll get those opportunities, it just seemed like a, an appropriate um, charge and exhortation. Yeah, and it does seem like, just even looking at who Simon yeah. Peter, like as you read through the Gospels, you know, he's the guy that kind of speaks first and doesn't really, but here now it's almost like a little bit more, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's heady, but it's almost like, He's paused and he's reflecting and he's thinking and it's like, wait, those are the same guy. Yeah, like, and he is. This is second, yeah. I mean, a letter to these folks. Right. And so he is thinking about and all these words. It's so weird because yeah. you don't think of Peter as the one who gives such deep theology, right. Right. right? But it's like this is so deep and rich. And I was just thinking about the going. How did he get all this right? Because I couldn't get all this right, and I kind of, you know, I definitely identify with with Peter, right? Yeah, I, right. I, I, I do. And so, gosh, I had so many jokes. I'm not going to use any of them. But um, <laughs> so I identify with kind of his personality in that. But yeah. I was thinking about that even last night, going. God, these words are beautiful, and it's just yeah. so evident that the Holy Spirit wrote this stuff right. through broken right. people like Peter. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. Who, who cut off an ear, right? Yeah. Like, And Jesus is like, ah, got to heal that. Um, so here we go. Verse yeah. 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life, godliness, a life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. I'm just going to pause there. because Yeah, here we so go. many words. Like, so many words. So he's it. going, yeah, but, uh, his divine power. So what we're seeing here, and this is why it's really important to think about fruitfulness, because he's going to get to a point where he's going to say, do this and you'll be, you won't be ineffective and you won't be unfruitful. Yeah, right. But what he starts this with, really important that we understand, is it's not with our power and our might. Right. One of the dangers in this passage is to create a checklist. Yeah. I put all the words up on the board and you go, oh, i got to do those things. Right. And then God's going to love me. No, 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 no. This is not like how you get entrance, right? right? right. Jesus has already done that. So if it's not about getting his, like, 
assurance and interest and get you know into the club by performing what's the purpose of this and I would say two things to confirm your fruitfulness and to see his power at work the things that are listed out here are completely um, impossible for you to do yeah so he's gonna start with who is underwriting it and how he is underwriting it it's his divine power that he's granted to us and this is for life and godliness so this is for all of us wondering how do I actually experience life in the middle of a pandemic how do I experience life in the middle of all these divides in our nation and how do I experience it yeah. in a way that's like God's heart godliness and he's gonna go comes from his power and through knowledge and that word knowledge love it we'll talk about it a little bit later it's it's actually not a conclusion drawn because of um, application hmm. right so this knowledge it's like going the proof is in the pudding oh yeah, i got right. knowledge the pudding's good how do you know that right. because you tasted it so he's going you you have this power that's available to you and now you have knowledge of it because you've now experienced hmm. it as you put it into practice and uh, he tells us why yeah. for his glory and excellence why 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 does he want us to be fruitful so we'd be no no for his glory yeah for his excellence for his name's sake right because we are representing the God of the universe and our fruitfulness gives him glory and proves his excellence. Really, really important. It's like, wow, that's a lot of nice words there, yeah, Peter. Yeah, it's well a lot done. of eloquent words there. So continuing on, verse 4 says this, and this is, yeah. we paused, but this is the yeah. same sentence. Uh, it says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Yeah, so now he's he, he's drawn a line here, right? Yeah. And so you can almost see it like the, the, the better board. I either get to live with his divine right. calling right. and his godliness and his excellence, and I get to participate in that with his promises, or the other side would be the line, which is... Yeah. Uh, in this world uh, with corruption because of sinful desires. Yeah. So this is going to start reminding these. What One of the things that Peter's doing here, which is really important that we get, is he's actually building their confidence yeah. in these moments. He's going, you can do this. I'm not going to be there, but you can do this. Hear yeah. me. Because I didn't lead you. It wasn't my clever ideas or schemes. You can do this because the God of the universe sees you, calls you, and supplies you so he's going to tell them that look you're going to actually confirm that you are not the person you used to be with mm. your old desires your old plans living according to the flesh you're going to see this play out in your life because jesus is the one supplying it not me and then he's going to kind of explain how they can start seeing this play out in their lives yeah so verse five starts that not the checklist but it starts kind of listing the yeah. things it says for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge uh, do you want me to go through the list? Yeah, this and is, then what does Paul's each one of them, I think? Okay, uh, so, that's what's really so faith yeah. and yeah. virtue. Yeah, so I don't know if you've ever spent much time teaching this. I have it. Like, Not honestly, time, no. I don't know that I would have even been able to point to this passaging yeah. until, I mean, really, 1230, I think it's Thursday morning, mm. Wednesday night, whenever it was, that I just couldn't sleep. And I, this is the passage I ended up in. Yeah. You know, just ended up here. God, God's divine grace there, right? But I never, I never taught it, never that kind of stuff. That's why I want to make sure that we handle it correctly because yeah, it right. could create more religion for us yeah. in this but he's going to start connecting all these pieces that lead to fruitfulness and the first one is faith right and so this is really really important faith defined is divine persuasion so what i will tell you over and over again that the beginning of living in the kingdom of god the way that you get access to it jesus's work and the way that you get access to the kingdom is through faith mm. i love the way the lexicon i use describes it as divine persuasion yeah. meaning you've been persuaded to live this way because the god of the universe has made that possible yeah. the only way you can make this step the only way you can do this is because the holy spirit has made this available to you and you're going are you sure i'm not sure are you sure it's the holy spirit is it just me like and this passage is going to help you actually affirm and confirm yeah. confirm like uh, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is the one doing this work. So it starts with faith. And mm. that word su supplement doesn't mean like you just add a little bit. It means like in, in conjunction with, mm. alongside of your faith comes virtue and virtue knowledge. And that word virtue, it's it, it, it's around, it's moral excellence is what how it's defined. And you're like, well, I can't do that. Yeah. And so that's the beauty of this. He's going, okay, as you kind of work this out, what, what, you're gonna, what the Holy Spirit's going to do in you is he's going to help you make the next 
right yeah. choice. Like there is something in front of us. He's going to help us. So even those of you this week goes, I want to be fruitful. Yep, that's the next right choice. I want to repent. Yep, next thing that virtue is doing. I want to forgive. Next thing. Right. And so there literally is this step by step, which I love, 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 because that's the story of the church is helping everyone figure out what that next step is and then actually taking it. Yeah. So you see virtue and then that virtue, as you take the next step, it says knowledge. And that's yeah. why I even, let me read it again. Knowledge is gleaned from firsthand personal experience. It's connecting theory to a- application, mm-hmm. right? And so you go faith. Well, faith is, a, I would argue, is an action word. Uh, you know, like faith is something that you do actively, not something you just yeah. think, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes it starts with you know, repentance, which is changing the way your mind, and then you, that repentance actually is going to lead to a new action. That's why they, a lot of people use the word repentance means to do a 180, to do yeah. the exact opposite. So we see this here. This is where that making the right next step because of faith. And then the neat thing is, as you take those, it confirms knowledge in you. Like you actually know God better, know his word better, better understand our world as a result. So it's pretty neat to see how that kind of plays out there. So. Yeah. So, uh, continuing on, so I'll take it from towards the end of five. Um, It says, uh, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. And then we'll we'll just pause. We'll take it one word at a time. So, self-control. Yeah, so so here we go. Okay, faith. Okay, now the next thing I do is go, I don't know that I can do this. Well, there's actually, you don't have to think about all of it, right? It's just... Like, I love what MLK says. Just because you don't see the whole staircase doesn't mean you can't take the first step. You can't see the whole staircase, but you can take the next right step, which is just whatever's right in front of you. The Spirit is leading you through His Word. And so that leads, so faith leads to moral excellence. And as you do that, you get more confident and more knowledge about who God is and the fact that He will supply our our needs, right? And then from there, what happens is you actually get some self-control, Meaning, properly uh, dominion, when, dominion within. Meaning, mm. you actually, what has felt like chaos, what mm. you couldn't do, now all of a sudden God <laughs> is going to give you some dominion agency uh, within, or self-control proceeding out from within oneself, but not by oneself for the believers through God's power. Right? Mm. And so this is what's really, really neat, that as you grow in your faith, you actually can start doing the right yeah. thing over and over again. This is how you hear about people who have been freed from addiction, right? It's like the Holy Spirit is doing some work in them. They take the next right step, which is accountability, confession. And, you know, they take the next right step, which is community. And as they continue to do that, they gain more and more confidence of who God is and what kind of bursts forth in them is actually some self-control. That's yeah. why many people now can get up every day and read their scriptures. Not because they're good, but because God is kind of over time, little by right. little, cumulative effect, help that happen. So that leads to self-control and then self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness, yeah. yeah. So that's the next one with steadfastness. What, and what was the definition of steadfastness? Uh, yeah, it means to remain under pressure. Okay. So that's really good. And so this is where I think a good way to describe it is like deep roots, yeah. right? Storms come, what trees make it, the ones with the deep roots. And yeah. honestly, and we've seen it in our church, you see it in all churches, those who aren't deeply rooted, mm-hmm. um, that when someone fails them, doesn't meet their expectations, they're just yeah. done because yeah. it's, it's not rooted in God and his grace and his love. It's rooted in like uh, superficial relationships. Yeah, right. And so it literally means that it's, that you remain under pressure, which is really, really important that you understand. Yeah. That means there's pressure. Yeah. More of the right. digging and manure. That means right. there's some way to grow in this that God intends to happen, but it comes from a place of steadfastness. This is John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. But you can be uh, steadfast. So take heart, right? To have courage, for I have overcome the world, right? Yeah. So it's this steadfastness that comes from it. Yep. And and uh, did you on Sunday you talked about kind of the whole idea of standing firm? Like in my mind, I'm mm-hmm. hearing stand firm. Like yeah. you're you're not moving. You're. Immutable. I talked about it in terms of prayer. Although for some reason yeah. I mentioned, I think it's saying you know Ephesians five. I'm like I oh, know Ephesians six. So sorry yeah. if I, I may. I'm pretty certain I said that wrong. Just I was thinking about Ephesians four and just kept going and thought I think that I probably mentioned that and it sounded like okay. it's Ephesians five. But anyway, I, I stand firm. Catch yeah, stand it, firm. If you did say yeah. that, so um, so with knowledge, self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Yeah. So this godliness, and we hear and think of it as like performance. Yeah. Wow, they're really right. godly. Right. Almost like, oh, always wow. How do I say do that? it. Yeah. Almost always say it facetious. Wow, you're really godly. You know that <laughs> kind of thing. But it actually means um, 
I'll make sure I get this, a godly heart response. Mm. So this word godliness actually is connected to an action, mm. a response because of what God's done in your heart. Mm. So a godly um, heart response that is a response, but what it does, the response itself actually expresses itself in reverence for mm. God. So your heart wants to do the next right thing and you respond in godliness. But the interesting thing is, it, it does it as an expression of reverence and devotion to God, yeah. not because someone else sees it. One of the really interesting about godliness is kind of really, really surveying, am I doing that because I'm trying to impress people or earn my right, salvation? Right. Or is this just a natural response to what God's done in my heart? Right. This godliness talks about the natural response of reverence as a result of what God has done inside of us. Right, right. Um, and so then continuing uh, with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and then he continues in brotherly affection. I feel like I'm trying to say more than yeah. one, but with brotherly affection. Yeah, so that's the word phileo, yeah. right? So brotherly love, Philadelphia. Right. And so, so neat. So God's telling us how this kind of plays out. You know, you got all these things. You got uh, knowledge, uh, virtue, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, and godliness. And so that is, again, another actual response. It's an action. So what is that action? Well, because... You love God. This is where First John it says, "Beloved, that's us. Let us love one another." Yeah. Why? Because love comes from God, and anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Because God is love. So this natural love for other people, yeah. natural ca- compassion for other people, is a result of this thing. And so a lot of go, "I don't know how to love people." Well, it actually probably starts six or seven steps back yeah. as right. God starts to do these things. So if you find yourself just really, really irritated with people it's probably going okay wh- where did i get mm-hmm. if there's this progression that happens where did i get it off was it in self-control yeah. probably was it in steadfastness uh, definitely right mm-hmm. is it with godliness well that's the evidence because you don't love people with your heart that god's given you yeah. and so you find yourself irritated and as you start to love people that way you actually start to gain this ability to love people the way that God loves them. You start with brotherly affection, right? Which is a a little bit beyond contractual relationships. I'm gonna love them anyway. Okay, they're gonna mess up, I'm gonna forgive them. But there gets to this place where it's just with sincere graciousness Mm. and unconditional love, right? That comes from God himself. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where the commandments yeah. all get kind of summed up. And so you can, in this sense, you go, the way that I do this actually is different. I can start loving people well. And what's going to happen is as I love them and God supplies that for me, my ability to love and that capacity grows greater and stronger to the point that I will start loving people and God the way that God loves me. Yeah. And, and that is, so you just covered brotherly affection. Yep. And, and then it says, love. and brotherly affection with love. Yeah, so, so. so it was two different. So there's the phileo love and then the agape yeah, love, that's right. which is from God. So that was kind of the explanation of that. So then verse 8 says this. It says, for if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is really what we're talking about. That's kind of the tie-in from Luke of going, hey, fruitful, how do I live a fruitful life? And then the tie-in to 2 Peter of going, so here's this, again, not a checklist of things to do, but kind of a a guide, if you will, of going, okay, where is my next step? Where do I need to Mm -hmm. kind of really ask God to move and work in what area? Where am I at? Yeah, so it's not ethereal. And I want you to hear the word increasing. Yeah. Right? So for if these qualities are yours. Yeah and are increasing. What that implies is that we haven't reached that place, yeah, right? right? This is a, we will continue to grow in this. But he's telling us if we do this, we will grow in this. And the natural response to growing that way is two things. You won't be ineffective. Yeah. So you're going, how do I live? I want my life to have purpose and meaning. Well, you got to do it here. This is where you, yeah. and remember, we just read, and Jesus is, I mean, the God's going to rip up a tree in a year if it's not <laughs> fruitful. You know, again, parable. And so this tells us that these are the qualities we focus on in order to not be unfruitful. Yeah. So they're increasing. And the way that we do it is little, so it starts with supplementing our faith with virtue, hmm. like not chasing your feelings, doing the next right thing. That's what I love is that, and I, and I talk about this a lot, like, when I um, what I, what I think are the benchmarks of sanctification for me that I've actually grown. The first one is, the closer I get to God, the more dirty I realize I am. Yeah, right. I feel like that was a question yeah. that I had of going, 
man, as I grow, I recognize yeah. how far I am. So the closer you are, the more stark that contrast yeah. is. So you don't go, wow, I finally made it. No, yeah. the closer you get, like the closer you get two different paint colors to one another, you can see the difference, right? Yeah, and right. so the the closer I get, the so that's the first thing I go, yep, I must be I must be becoming more like Christ because the closer I get to him, the more I realize how dirty I am <laughs> compared to him, right? The second one and I explain is when, uh, in the beginning of Christianity, you, you learn to do what's right because it's right, not because it feels right. right. So much of what we do actually doesn't feel right. right? Yeah. I don't want to give my money to church. I don't want to, you know, whatever those things are. I don't want to stop saying those things. I don't want to, you know, whatever those things yeah. are. And I want to be careful. I had like lots of Muslims saying, it's like, all oh, those sound like, you know, legalistic checklists. I want to mm-hmm. guard from that. But eventually, eventually what happens is what what is right starts to also feel right. Yeah. That's a huge kind of uh, checkpoint in our life is, Am I doing the right thing, and does it now feel right? That's yeah. where that love has transformed us, right? And so he's going, as you do this, you're going to keep doing the right thing, virtue. But eventually, doing the right thing is going to feel also good. That's why people who love God are so generous, not just because God told them to be, but because it feels so right, right, right. to be generous, right? And so you kind of like see those things, and it goes, you want to actually be fruitful and be effective, this is the process. And then uh, and then you gain knowledge and understanding more, again, by application about who our Lord Jesus Christ is. Yeah. So it really is. You need to grade yourself. Really simple. Are you increasing in these things, and do you feel fruitful and effective? Well, it's as a result of these things. So I do, I feel like my question in that becomes, so if I'm growing in my knowledge and I'm seeing that disparity between who who I am compared to who God is, do I, like my first thought is going, how do I not become discouraged in that? Like, but I'm not sure if that's the right question. Is the question, should I become more encouraged because I see that increasing disparity as long as I'm walking you know, in the right direction in that I'm being fruitful, that I'm seeing fruit in my life. Like, yeah. Is it- so I don't, honestly, I really don't think even coming to this awareness of our brokenness and that should not lead to a place of yeah. discouragement. Yeah. If it does, it's because we got all this backwards. Mm-hmm. Because we think somehow our cleanliness is what makes God love us. Yeah, right. Right? So in some ways, getting that close and realize how broken and dirty are. This is where, uh, yeah. where uh, David says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Yeah. Right? Joy actually comes from our understanding of salvation. Right. So th- that stark difference, that disparity, should actually lead us to a place of deep gratitude. Not like, oh, I'm so terrible, I'll never get fixed. No, no. Yeah. That's what Jesus has died for. If we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just and will forgive us, right? So that's the first thing. But the other thing I think is a really important checkpoint is that as you get there, your heart should feel more fulfilled, yeah. even as you're broken. My heart feels more fulfilled when I serve the Lord, yeah. right? I even think about Lincoln University, yeah. going and moving those folks. It was hard work and it was right. painful. But boy, did our whole family, when we sat down for right. dinner, it just, we felt so, yeah. you know, enthusiastic about the gospel. And so the next thing is, did I do the right thing and does it feel right? Okay, right, yeah, I'm right. still dirty and broken, but am I trying to do the right. right thing? And as I do it, does it feel really good? And if so, then you've gotten out of religion, which yeah. is, I do this because I have to, and maybe God will love me if I do it. You got out of religion and into a relationship with a God who really does love you. So I think those are pretty important checkpoints. Yeah, I think so. I, this is my opinion, though. I can't point to the scriptures that say those two things, but I can't. I mean, I can argue it, but yeah. that's just been in my own life. I'll gauge that. So in verse 9, it's, it's kind of saying, okay, so this is how you, by doing these things, yeah. is how you, in increasing measures, how yeah. you become fruitful. And verse 9 says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten what he was cleansed from, uh, or what he was cleansed from fo- his former sins. Yeah, so there's an unawareness of how much we've been free from that. Right? So in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, yeah. holy and pleasing, for that's your spiritual act of worship. That's Romans 12.1. But the preceding 11 chapters where Paul is telling us how dirty and broken he is and we are and that we are slaves to our sin. So then he goes, God frees you from that. Well, how do you stay free? Well, you keep giving yourself back to God, yeah. right? And so he goes, for those of you who have forgotten that, you keep going right back into the slavery. Keep yeah. going right back to the thing. So you're so nearsighted just thinking about that temporal thing right in front of you that you have lost sight of what it looks like to be free and enjoy what it's like to hand out your fruit, right? And so he's just, again, giving us a rubric of going, are you doing the right thing or does it feel right? Yeah, right. If so, you're on this path. 
Are you not? Well, then it's because you've stopped even trying to follow this path. Yeah. So it's pretty clear, but it does lead to, Josh, that sounds a lot like a checklist. Yeah. Right? And right. So let's it does. Go, we'll go to the next verse and I'll try and to help us. So with verse the 10 says this. It says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Um, uh, let me, do you want me yeah. to pause? No, like, no, no, we, no that's fine. We've got a question about Yeah, wait, let's get to that well. question because it's 49 so, minutes in, yeah. So yeah, so that question is, is about confirming question. your calling. So it says this, first, on what basis about me did God decide to elect me even before the foundation of the world? On what basis did he decide to non-elect others? Uh, yeah, really complicated question, and I don't know the answer, but I'm going to try to wrestle through. There's two reasons we ask that, right? Because it... I, I think anyway. The first one is it, it concerns us about God, yeah, right? Like, right. why would God do that? I don't understand. And then the other one is it somehow for us uh, creates some shame, yeah. right? Okay, why? Like survivors remorse. Right, right. So the first one is let me just uh, the word election there means you know to be chosen, selected out of something into something else. Right. So there is no way to be elected if you're not placed into something else. So to be elected doesn't mean that you're just chosen. It literally means to be taken out of one thing and put into another thing. Yeah. So um, what I gather in, in terms of election, that not everybody's willing to be put into another thing. Yeah. And that God in his brilliance knows that. Yeah. Right? So I don't know how much of it is our own choice and our own abilities. I don't understand those things. But I know that election means to be chosen out of something and put in something. So the way that I usually describe it is it's like, it's like this train that's heading to absolute destruction. Absolute. Because of the choices that everybody on the train, they all deserve it. And we mm -hmm. all are on that chain train right and that is that's where we're all going every yeah. single one of us are appointed that kind of destruction in our life and then god pulls us out of that train and places us into his hmm. pathway which is the coming kingdom both now and going right so god plucks us out of one thing he chooses us and places in we all deserve this one but he plucks us out why does he pluck us out not, not others i don't have really good answers the best i can would argue is or wrestle with is well god is so aware that uh you have to be pulled out of and placed into that there's a requirement that there need to be a willingness to be able to place into it. I don't think that's exactly how it works, uh, but I, what I want you to see, and it's a lot more nuanced than God likes some people and God doesn't like right, others. Right. So uh, it's a lot more complicated. I don't understand why some are chosen, not others. That's what the word election means, just chosen. And so the next thing is, well, why in the world would he choose me and not other people? Yeah. Well, some may be your malleability, and he knew that you were going to be submissive and repentant and all those things, maybe. Or um, maybe it's a lot more complicated than that, and he just decided, you know, flip a coin. Don't think that's the case, but why in the world does he do that? And then it leads us to this place of, oh, I feel so bad about it. Hmm. But we know that so much of our life is so beyond what we could do. Like, for example, hmm. why are you born in America? Yeah. Why right now is Afghanistan going through what it's going through, but right now we're hanging out kind of in an air-conditioned room, yeah. right? Like, why? And, like, and so we can live all of our life yeah. wondering that because there are privileges yeah. And there are opportunities that each of us have been given that other people haven't, yeah. that were far beyond our thing. So we, we can't hide from the election piece because yeah. we all have been chosen in some category, right? So that while we might not fully fathom it, we have to kind of embrace it and go, well, God chose this. Yeah. So what I, I was talking to someone recently, and I don't know what it's about, about someone who I was always oh, feeling bad because... Um, someone I love dearly is talking to him about, you know, that their dad had died and my mm -hmm. dad just got better. And I'm like, I feel so bad about this. Mm -hmm. And they were going, but here's the thing, like the person whose dad died isn't like, I don't want you, Josh, to experience yeah. your dad. You know what he wants? Yeah, or yeah, they yeah. want, they want me to spend more time with my dad and loving right. because right. that's what they would do. So you go, well, we can feel bad about him and go, God's chosen us. Right. So therefore, we have a responsibility because we've been chosen. In fact, that's probably why he chose us, right? Because we have a responsibility to be fruitful. So we have to look at it and go, I don't understand why we were elected, why we were chosen from one train and placed on the other, but we were, and now we have a response. So that is the election in a nutshell. I don't really understand it all, but we got to understand that election is out of into. So there's not just the one saved from destruction. It's into, right? The thing about heaven is we are going to worship God forever, hmm. and we're going to enjoy it. There are some people who would hate heaven. Yeah. They don't want anything to do with that, right? So so that's a complication about chosen. Now, the second part of that then is now how do we understand that? So I think, the, what's the next part of the question? So it says, um, second, one of the verses quoted Sunday was, you must do all you can to show that God has really chosen and elected you. How do I show that? To whom do I do that? And why must I? Great question. And so here's the thing. We just talked about chosenness. 
that God was chose us, elected us. He knows that. He knows that. He knows that he he knows that he chose us from the foundation of earth. You know who doesn't know that? We don't. Yeah. We don't know that we've been chosen. We yeah. think we've been chosen, but we know in our suspicions of our own life that we have all been chosen. Why I don't know why we're chosen. Why in the world? The reason we're asking this is because we don't really deserve to be chosen. Yep, we're all all bound for devastation. Jesus yeah. plucks us out of it. So, uh, so the neat thing about this passage, really important that you understand, this isn't God going, if you do this, you'll be chosen. Yeah. It's that you've already been chosen, yeah. but you don't know that you've been chosen. Right. Okay, if right. I don't know I've been chosen, but I'd really like the security of knowing that I've been chosen, well, how do I confirm that. Here we go. He's not telling us these things because he's saying that's how you gain entrance. Yeah. He's telling you, you've already gained entrance. You just are not confident that you've gained entrance. So guess what happens as you start to do these things? You start to build affirmation mm -hmm. and confirmation in your life. Because as you do these things, Jesus is saying they will not fail and they'll surely grow. Yeah. So the reason we do these things is for our own confidence, not God's confidence or love for us, yeah. imagine getting this confirmation going, I've been chosen, yeah. I've been chosen. Now, and literally, it, as you're chosen, understand God's heart for choosing you and the grace that comes. Naturally, the byproduct or product of that is, not only do you gain confidence, you start to see people the way that God sees them. He sees them as broken, but loved and paid for by him. He sees the disparity of the injustice in the world. As you gain that confidence in your chosenness, what ends up happening is you also gain God's heart, godliness. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you can't help but serve other people. So it's not like you gotta do this one person, then you do it, we got it all backwards. All we gotta do is figure out what's right in front of us and take the next right step. Yeah. Gain some confidence in that and keep looking around for what the next step is to serve yeah. people. And as that confidence grows, your effectiveness grows, your fruitfulness yeah. grows, and the kingdom grows. So it, yeah. it's we do it all because he's already done it for us and this is how we get confirmation. Does that make any sense? Yeah, maybe. and I feel like for me, I'm thinking through, and honestly, it's mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of a preview of this week, of how the kingdom of God starts small and it grows big, like in yeah. everything. And yeah. it's just that, that's it. Like as you surrender more, as you grow more in increasing yeah. measure, like it, it starts to kind of become this yeah. huge thing that it started off small, but it grew to be huge. Yeah, God's always doing something big, even if it seems small. That's yeah. why I love the faith of a mustard seed, because yeah. that implies that something tiny is going to grow. But there yeah. was a third part of that question, it was to, uh, I, I think you said three questions. Oh, I don't think so. I think that was it. So second, it was just oh. one and two. Oh, gotcha. How do I show this to him? Yep. That, yeah. And why must I? Yeah, why must well, I? Well, so you can confirm that you've been chosen. Yeah. That's why. You wanna you wanna walk in the confidence of this. Well, this is the way you yeah. do it. So and there's there's so nuanced because all of it creates this beautiful thing where the kingdom really does start to expand in our lives and around us. But it really at the at the high part of this, what Peter's saying to his people is God chose you. Yeah. He loves you and he has an incredible plan for you far beyond yeah. what you can imagine. I need you to understand you've been chosen. And once you've got to the point that you've been chosen, I need you to have confidence that the Lord has chose you, chose this church to yeah. change this region. And you lack confidence. Yeah. We lack confidence. And so the way that we build that confidence is we practice this over and over again. And that confidence grows and you become more and more confident to the point where you're going to walk up to a dead person, lay your hands on them and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Yeah. And I think it can happen. Yeah. Why? Because this confidence that grows out of this place of being selected out of our depth of despair and placed into his goodness yeah. that he chose us for. And we get to experience it. Uh, so we, we've got just a couple minutes yeah. left. Um, what do you think? Should I try and read through the rest yeah, of this? Yeah, let's just read through okay. it. Okay. So 11 through 15 says this, for in this way, uh, for in this way, there will be richly, it will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Verse 12. So, and then he's going to give some reminders. So he's just saying, yeah. you want confidence, you get into the kingdom. This is the way. And not only that, you want to gain confidence that you've been chosen and that God is going to supply all yeah. your needs. This is the way you do it. So all of it is, the proof is literally in the pudding here. Yeah. You do these things and you will get this confidence that you're in the kingdom and that God has given you all the resources you needed for the coming kingdom to help your neighbors, your kids, your grandkids start to hear about this and respond to it. So, yeah. Uh, LK just, oh, just said darn good answer. Oh, so, thanks. Yeah. Uh, verse 12 says this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, through though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it rich, uh, right as long as I am in this body to stir up by way of remember, um, since I know that you are putting off 
putting off of my body, uh, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to, uh, may be able at any time to recall these things. Yeah, so I can't think about this passage much because yeah. I get, I get um, emotional. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I'm, I got a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll yeah. cover some more, but it is like God's gift to go. He, he gave me that same heart, yeah. right? I just, I want you to participate and live in the fullest of what God has for you in his kingdom. And so Peter's going, I'm not going to be there with you, but you don't need me. Yeah. You don't need me. This church doesn't need me. The senior pastor of this church is Jesus, and he's going to supply everything you need. But why I get a couple more weeks or a month with you, I'm going to keep reminding you of that. This is not built around me. Yeah. It'd be a mess if it were. And the places that it got to be a mess is because we were built them probably around me. And so this is a church that God has built that the gates of hell cannot overcome. And he said to Peter, he'd build his church on them. And I think he's saying to you, hey, I'm going to build a movement on on you as you continue to walk these out these things. And so what I hope you feel and experience is senior pastors are really overrated. <laughs> they just really are. Like, they're just really overrated. The idea that a church ebbs and flows or goes because of a dude makes no sense, right? It's a family of people. So I want to go to Florida. Remind them there's a family of people that God brings this kingdom through. And so I'm, I got a couple more weeks ago. You will, you don't need me. I will not be helpful in this season because the season is for you to dig, have manure placed around you, and you be fruitful and us be fruitful collectively. Not one guy marching, everybody else kind of falling you know, behind. It's God is sending us out in all sorts of different directions in this. And so you need a family to do this with. Yeah. You got one here. But you don't need, Jesus is our senior pastor. And so if you'll do these things, you will be fruitful. You will be effective and you will experience the coming kingdom now. So I double dog dare you to try. And there's some very specific next steps. The first one starts with faith and then a little bit of virtue. So yeah. that's what I leave us with. Yeah. Well, that is the time that we have. I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Again, whether you're watching online with us, joining us there, thank you so much, or catching this later. If you have questions, you can always email us over time at clcfamily.church. You can text us 610-869-2140, or you can always jump online whenever we're here. So thanks so much. We hope you have a great week, and we hope to see you next week as we have week 14 of Better and week 98 of, of Overtime.